0: Welcome to today's real estate and construction podcast. I'm Mark Cooter, leader of the Cherry Becker Real Estate and Construction Practice. I'm joined today by a member of our tax credit and incentive advisory group, Ron Wainwright. And Ron can introduce himself to our audience today. Ron. Uh,
1: Mark, thank you. So my name is Ron Wainwright. Uh, I am a strategic tax partner with Cherry Becker. And I lead our energy practice for the firm and am located in Raleigh North Carolina. so uh, welcome to our listeners.
0: All right, thank you, Ron. so uh, today we've we've recently released information on the updated forty five l residential uh, energy tax credit over the last couple months. so uh, folks in our audience can find that easily on our website uh and i know that we we're constantly updating as more information comes out on 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 specifics of how that credit is going to work but uh for those that aren't aren't really don't have the background in this and or maybe you're not familiar with that uh credit ron can you give us a little bit, bit of background on uh, on the 45l credit uh
1: thank you mark so yes yeah, so the uh, energy efficient often referred to as multi residential or residential credit was actually enacted uh, by the Energy Policy Act of 2005. Uh, and then it was extended on a semi-annual basis, uh, but now made permanent through 2032 underneath the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. It, it really was created to incentivize developers of energy efficient, single and multi-family homes to build them more energy efficient. Um, There are certifications that are required. Uh, If we look back to the Energy Policy Act of 2005, uh, the credit amount was uh, available per qualified unit uh, of $2,000, but it was limited to buildings that were three stories uh, above grade. Um, And it was specifically, again, created for newly constructed or really completely uh, renovated homes. Um, So for our listeners, eligible parties to the credit uh, underneath old law, Uh, as well as new law are developers and contractors, uh, ultimately, regardless of when the home was sold or leased. Um, And the credit can be applied to the year in which the home was first uh, sold or leased uh, up to $2,000 under old law. And as we'll talk, up to $5,000 now underneath the Inflation Reduction Act uh, of 2022. So a lot of good news for uh, developers and contractors, uh, trivial residential, multi-residential uh, units.
0: So, with some of our audience being in the real estate and construction industry, Ron, uh, can you give us you know what are the what are the other advantages of the 45L uh, credit to to maybe someone in the real estate or construction industry?
1: Excellent question. Um, so as I mentioned uh, briefly. Uh, what occurred within the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 were really substantial changes and expansions attributable to the 45L credit. So this is, in fact, a a federal subsidy. And so as a developer or a general contractor is building and developing a residential or multi-residential neighborhood, this is a subsidy in the context that uh, when you sell or lease uh, the unit, as we refer to it, uh, you were eligible for a credit of two thousand under old law. But effective January one of twenty twenty three, that that two thousand dollar amount goes up to twenty five hundred dollars. And to the extent that you meet what's referred to as the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirement, that unit value is five thousand dollars. And again, this this is a credit. Um, However, one thing that did change within the Inflation Reduction Act is the what are called the energy efficiency standards. So when we think about the uh, new standards, old standards were RESNET prior to January one of 2023. New standards are in fact what is referred to as Energy Star which all of our listeners will be uh, certainly um, knowledgeable of, or what's referred to as zero energy ready homes. So again, the the credit goes from a $2,000 amount to a new minimum of $2,500 up to $5,000. So just as a simple example, if you were developing a a 50 uh, residential uh, unit or multi-residential unit, uh, old law, the credit would have been the 50 times $2,000 or $100,000 of credit that could be passed through uh, to the uh, original investors and to to the developer. Now we're looking at a, a new standard of $2,500 to $5,000. And so that credit goes up on a 50-unit um, project from $125,000 at the $2,500 level all the way up to $250,000 with the caveat that that uh, $250,000 credit Uh, is, in fact, uh, meeting the prevailing wage. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when you think about the ENERGY STAR, it is a um, national uh, and local ENERGY STAR requirement. Um, The requirements will be updated again, for those that are knowledgeable in our listeners, in in 2025. So we have uh, a window of the old energy source standard, and then moving into the, the newer standard that will be published in 2025. Um, and the zero energy ready home program is, again, that $5,000 if that prevailing wage and, and apprenticeship requirement are met. This is often, for our listeners, a significantly overlooked opportunity. And give you kind of two examples of what we saw um, with respect to a new client to the firm is they had placed units residential units and service in 21 and 22 250 actual single-family homes now again we modeled it we certified it as well as that is a requirement in the statute that you have an independent party model and certify and that developer Uh, received an additional $430,000 of credit. Um, Giving you another example of a new client to the firm, they had uh, placed 274 unit apartments um, in place in 21 and 22. And again, the trigger date of earning the credit is when you lease or if you had a townhouse community or a single residential community upon sale, um, obviously going to that example in regards to a new client overlooked by their prior provider in both instances, and in that case, at $2,000 across the 274 units, it was a credit of of $548,000, credit being a dollar-for-dollar offset against the tax liability. So when we think about the opportunities Uh, To your question, it it really is about all of the opportunities of that asset, whether that's a a cost segregation opportunity or whether we're applying 45L as we're talking uh, here today. Or as we'll use an example later in the podcast, um, the combination of cost segregation, 45L and 179 cap D to really create a trifecta event in regards to the opportunities for that real estate and construction company to earn credits as well as certainly accelerate specific um, depreciable assets if they are going to continue to own the asset.
0: So there's some good examples, and I, and I know when you're talking about the benefits to the company, and when you start talking about $550,000 federal credit, um, that is that that's quite substantial as far as helping uh, to um, in the development of the project and in the capital stack of of what the end results is going to be after tax for that project. So uh, that's great. Um, are there any? You, know, you mentioned some of the. Uh, a while back, some of the standards and some of the increase in the standards uh, to in order to achieve that $5,000. Um, you know, Is there anything else that you want to expand on uh, to talk to us a little bit about the new requirements that are under the new act um, that we need to know about?
1: No, great question, Mark, because this is often overlooked, and this is where you really need as listeners, if you're not taking advantage of these opportunities, to really work with a firm, hopefully Cherry Beckert, in regards to experience. And so one of the key requirements to achieve the $5,000 per unit, was a new concept, a new platform that was put into the statute uh, underneath the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And I've mentioned it a couple times intentionally because it's what's called the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirement. And so underneath the Inflation Reduction Act, one of the underlying tax policies was they wanted to drive the creation of new jobs, and they wanted to drive in the creation of those new jobs, apprenticeship programs across the United States. So they have the base credit, which I've mentioned is $2,500. And you can double that credit to the extent that you meet the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirement. So what does that mean? What it means is that the IRS has now, ultimately issued some initial guidance to taxpayers on how to satisfy that wage and apprenticeship requirement. That's in what's called Notice 2261 that was issued last year. Basically, what it says is that the wages paid to the contractors and subcontractors must be at rates that are not less than the prevailing rate for construction in the locality or where that asset is being constructed. And this is defined by the Secretary of Labor. So as developers and construction companies are beginning to construct assets post-January 30th of 2023, they need to be very compliant and inherent to ensuring that those individuals, those on the job site, or in contractors and subcontractors, are being paid not less than the Department of Labor's prevailing rate for that job type in, in fact, the construction locality. Um, when you think about the apprenticeship requirement, what the guidance told us was that taxpayers have to satisfy what is referred to as an hour's worked by qualified apprentices, and they have to make up a specific percentage of the total hours worked on the construction project. Now, the percentage of qualified apprentice hours to total hours vary ultimately based on the date of construction and when that construction begins. So for example, if you began construction before January 1 of 2023, and the assets being placed in service in 2023, then in fact, you have a 10% Threshold on an apprenticeship requirement. Meanwhile, you must also meet the standards of that uh, uh, prevailing wage, even though you're grandfathered if you began construction prior to January 30th of 2023, but not so for the apprenticeship requirement. So you can begin to see there's a lot of complexity to earn that maximum of $5,000 per unit. After 22, But before January of 2024, that apprenticeship requirement moves in regards to that number of hours worked by qualified apprentices, making up that percentage of the total hours worked on a construction project to 12.5%. And then on or after January of 2024, it moves to 15%. So there's still a lot of confusion out there. So that's where we say you need to work with a firm that's very knowledgeable in this area, that's done a significant amount of work in this area, because we can help guide you forward insofar as not only the prevailing wage and the grandfather and cure provisions, as they're called, but also in the apprenticeship requirements. And as an example, in a a client we have that is, 300,000 man hours across 250 jobs over a period of two years. We've developed a single service offering to take all of that burden of compliance in regards to monitoring the wages, monitoring the hours on a quarterly and semi-annual and annual basis. So you maximize that $5,000 credit. Um, we have a offering that we can help and assist uh, you in doing that. So that burden kind of comes off of you. Um, I would mention, and in the prevailing wage apprenticeship requirements, there are a lot of what are called good faith effort exceptions that can apply to taxpayers. And that goes to, again, working with someone who's very experienced in this area um, from that standpoint. One thing I did want to kind of cover for our listeners is if you haven't taken advantage of this opportunity, or you don't know about all the new rules underneath the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, What we do is we actually will complementary scope as well as discuss with you or what we call an assessment and an identification process so that we can show you what is in the requirements specifically with respect to the Department of Energy and some of the things that are required in the new standards um, that are in the statute effective, again, January 1
0: to 23. So, Ron, if somebody's missed this uh, credit in, from a past development or a past project they've done, can they go back and and uh, claim uh, claim that credit or or approach you guys about looking into that?
1: Absolutely. Excellent question, Mark. And so, very similar to all tax provisions, you can go back if you've missed a planning opportunity, up to three years from the time of the original filing or the superseded filing of a return. So we we fall into what's referred to as the statute of limitation rules. And so we can go back three years. So if we find uh, an opportunity in 22 and 21, we can go back three years. And then, of course, if you are constructing assets that will be placed in service in 2023, I want to comment in this podcast that one of the other changes in the Inflation Reduction Act, was the ability to carry back credits uh, backwards of three years. Um, but you would go back and amend your return. And if you happen to, um, to miss an area, you can go back another three years um, to uh, qualify if you, you've missed something in the 2023 or 2024 timetable. Right. But you can definitely go back and amend your returns up to three years from the original date
0: of filing or superseded return great thanks for that information so ron thank you for joining us today Uh, i think we've covered a lot of ground on how the real estate and construction industry might uh, benefit and taking advantage of this 45l and what the 45l is Uh, we've got some more upcoming information so we'll be diving more into the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements in a future podcast as well as look out for other thought leadership pieces as we post them to our website But, Ron, is there anything else you'd like to share with any final thoughts today?
1: Yeah, I think this is an opportunity that really was overlooked since the Energy Policy Act of 2005. We see uh, real estate construction uh, developers and subcontractors really missing this opportunity significantly. And so, obviously, when you look at a credit of $2,000 per unit, and when you think about the magnitude of construction and building that occurred, uh, specifically in the multi-residential area, as well as in the residential area, you know, this is the significance subsidy for those uh, developers and and contractors that you don't want to overlook. We continue to see this, uh, as I mentioned, two examples in new clients to Cherry backward. The other thing I would comment on in a last comment, and I mentioned this briefly, is what I call the trifecta. So 45, l as I mentioned, used to be limited um, to three stories above ground. And so when you thought about a high-rise vertical, multi-residential asset, you know, you were kind of cut out of that? Well, that standard is no longer in the statute. And so we can look at vertical assets as well as 179 cap D, which is another energy efficiency provision, but it's a deduction can also be applied. So um, in one recent example, just to give you another example, um, we saw an asset that was going to be placed in service in 2023. There were 346 uh, units. Uh, the square footage was about 460000 and we were able to achieve the $5,000 per unit while simultaneously achieving the $5 per gross square footage. And so that client walked away with a credit of $1,730,000, $5,000 to the 346 units in regards to 45L. But then in the deduction uh, came – a came away with $2,300,000 in their development. And so that's what I call the trifecta. And and we'll have, as Mark commented, other podcasts that we will hopefully uh, you'll listen into and we'll be talking more uh, about that as well. So uh, again, thank you on behalf of me for attending today uh, and everyone have a great day.